Welcome to Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson, the podcast where we head down the road of the supernatural and beyond. So sit back and hold on as we take a ride together to what lies in the unknown and beyond the veil. Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson presents guest host, UFO researcher, and author, Preston Dennett. Preston Dennett began investigating UFOs and the paranormal in 1986 when he discovered that his family, friends, and co-workers were having dramatic, unexplained encounters. Since then, he has interviewed hundreds of witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal phenomena. He is a field investigator for the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, a ghost hunter, a paranormal researcher, and the author of 30 books and more than 100 articles on UFOs and the paranormal. He has appeared on numerous radio and television programs, including Midnight in the Desert with Art Bell, Coast to Coast, and also the History Channel's Deep Sea UFOs, UFO Hunters, and Ancient Aliens. His research has been presented in the LA Times, the LA Daily News, the Dallas Morning News, and other newspapers. He has taught classes on various paranormal subjects and lectures across the United States. And now, your host, Daniel Jackson, with UFOs, Aliens, and High Strangeness. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson. Me, Daniel Jackson. I'm your host, and today we have Preston Dennett on the show. Preston's got a new book out called Humanoids and High Strangeness, 20 True UFO Encounters. Preston, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing good. Pretty good. That's how are you? <laughs> uh, not too shabby. Not too shabby. It's a little, I mean, I wouldn't say it's early for me, but I had to get up real early today because I had to go get some blood work done. And that wasn't always fun, but uh, hey, you know, it's part of life. But uh, so you wrote a new book. You've got a bunch of books. Uh, and this one's called Humanoids and High Strangeness 20 True Story Encounters, UFO Encounters. Um, when did you start writing this book? Oh, well, you know, it's a kind of a trick question because I work on them for a while, uh, but I really started digging in about, well, let's see, a good six months ago is when I finally had enough research done to start sure. and had it outlined, but the research itself takes, you know, years. Right. So, right, because of all the all the people that you talk to, and you got to go out in the field and do that, so it takes a long time. Sure. Yeah, I, but I love it. I have fun with it. Uh, but yeah, now that I've put out a bunch of books, once I got all my research done, I can just kind of pretty much do it in a matter of months. Right, and then that's pretty good. I I took I started writing my book in um, I think like June, and I think I finished it by October. But I had everything inside of me already waiting to just put it down on the paper. But you literally have to go out and talk to people to to find out the not just the uh, not just the the people, their individuals themselves, but I'm sure you gather all the information you can before you actually put anything from pen to paper. Yeah. Well, of course, you have to vet all the witnesses. Yes. And transcribe all the interviews. And once you're putting their chapter together, you have to do another interview to fill in the gaps. And then once that's put together, you have to send it back to them so that they can basically check it for accuracy. Right. There's a whole process which takes quite a long time. And what is it that uh, what is it that led you to uh, to wanting to do this these particular uh, amounts of stories, these twenty stories? Was it just something that you heard or 
you gathered from someone else and you just decided to follow through with this and put 20 of them together? Or or did you have a different idea of a certain amount of, of stories that you were trying to, to do initially? Uh, well, you know, a book kind of has its own organic length to it. And uh, I would have done 10 cases, but it w- was not enough pages. Right. Well, I, I like to have a book that's got at least 200 pages in it. Got some weight to it. Yeah, and fell a little bit short of that. And honestly, I have enough cases. I have more cases than I can actually fit into any book at any time. Really? And I love to sort of pick a theme for a book, whether it's onboarding counters or I did one on schoolyards, one on driving movie theater encounters, of course, one on healing cases. And this one had its theme, which was every person in this book had to have seen some kind of humanoid. Correct. Um, okay. So that was basically the theme. And I'm like, well, I've got a lot of these. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to choose cases that I think have a high level of credibility because perhaps they've got evidence or multiple witnesses or you know, just convincing in some way, but also ones that are perhaps interesting or offbeat or have something new to contribute to our understanding, unique elements to it that maybe people haven't seen before. And what I really wanted to embrace with this book, because this is something that's been a long sort of pathway to discovering, is that UFO contact is inextricably connected with the paranormal and a lot of high strangeness. So a lot of that gets left out of other people's books. I've, I've discovered this from talking to witnesses who told me, yeah, my my story was published, and you can read about it, but they left out all the high strangeness parts. Right. I'm not going to do that. You know, I never have, but this time I really dug in. I'm like, tell me anything and everything paranormal, because I do think it's connected. And big, and that's what gets people drawn in. Uh, I'm, I know because of your book, because of, because of the high strangeness people. There's more to the story than just, hey, I saw a flying saucer and I saw something walking around. And people do want details, so you're you're doing your best to try to bring all the details as you can. Exactly. Yeah, what's cool about this book is it does have onboarded encounters, face-to-face encounters, landings, but also, and this is really cool, I was able to interview people not only across the United States, but I've got cases in Canada, a case from Argentina, a case from Peru a guy from England, a guy in France, Germany, all over the world. There's even, well, partly a case in China. It's partly in the U.S., partly in China. But, yeah, I love getting that cross-cultural perspective. Sure. We're all human beings, but we've all had some type of, uh, maybe not extraterrestrial uh, encounter, but I know a lot of people, me being in this business, who just have some type of paranormal encounter going on in their lives. And some people just tend to blow it off, but other people, it really makes an impact on them. And so, so that's what you do. You're connect, you're connecting and collecting all this information that makes the, the most impact because people do want, they want to, they want an answer to it. They want to know what's going on here. Yeah, exactly. In fact, most of the people who contact me, that's why they're contacting me. Because perhaps they've seen a humanoid that they've never been able to find any reference to, or just a really unusual experience. 
most of the people I talk to don't end up in my books. They just want some answers. They just yeah. want someone to listen to what they have to say. When so, you do the when you do the uh, uh, when you do put uh, all the stories in the book, do you use the actual names of the people, or do most people just don't want their names talked about? Uh, well, you know, it used to be that people almost universally said, please don't use my name. <laughs> I do always ask, of course, because yeah. I like to be able to use the real name. I think it adds a level of credibility to the account. And uh, I would say over half, yeah, did allow me to use the real names. You know, I'd have to kind of look that up. But yeah, there's, let's see, <laughs> one, two. If you got to look it up, look it up. I'm okay with that. Um. Mm, one, two, some let me lose the, just their first name, but there's three, four, five, uh, six, seven. Let's see. Quite a few. That's pretty episodes. good. I mean, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, at least half of the people, yeah, allowed me to use their full name. And that's great because, I mean, as we know from all the, uh, from all the TV shows, from all the other interviews that have taken place, even up to 10 years ago, people didn't want their names used because they were afraid of being ridiculed or have their lives, their lives ruined over this type of ordeal. Yeah, well, it's changing. It was interesting. Yes. Recently, the congressional hearings, which were just a few months ago, if that, the Tim Burchett, one of the congressmen, I think he was talking, said, I know members of Congress who have had encounters. I thought, right. wow, you know, that's different, new. He says, I'm not going to name their names. I'm like, wait, <laughs> just yeah. name. You know, if you're everyone else is coming forward, you guys should say you saw a UFO if you saw one. Let's be truthful. Let's be transparent. But still, that was a step forward. I was really encouraged by it. Yeah, I, my wife and I watched the uh, watched the proceedings, and we watched. Uh, uh, I watched one of the proceedings with Dr. Stephen Greer and uh, and all the all the whistleblowers he has coming out. And, uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I'm excited by it. It's a step forward because I got involved in this field in 1986. And there was rumors even then that there's going to be disclosure. Next year, it's coming. And of course, it never did. They always say that, right? But that rumor persisted and continued all the way up through, really, to today. But there was no movement at all in official no. circles. The only thing that the government ever said they studied was basically those three main ones, which is right. Blue Book, Condon Committee, and Robertson Panel. Right. But now we have so many ATIP and Arrow and NASA's looking into it. And so this is definitely a sea change. This is an absolute turnaround to the way it's been. But I still don't trust them. They're still yeah. not truth. Me either, especially when I was watching the hearings coming out. And they were talking about, oh, we're seeing this, we're seeing that. But then NASA came right out and said, we don't have any evidence. Yeah, I laughed at that one out loud. <laughs> like, really? You have no evidence? Have you picked up a UFO book? Do yeah. You realize that this has been studied for 80 years? Look at the landing trace cases. There's thousands of them. And you can point to some very specific cases, which have outstanding, compelling, if not conclusive evidence. The Transon Provence landing, you know, the Maurice Mass case in France, the Delphos, Kansas case. I mean, there is a lot of them. The of course the Lani Zamora case. 
that showed burned ground, glassified sand, exposed right. to about a thousand, well, more than that, degrees of heat. So the evidence is there. <laughs> yeah, the and it's there, but it it just seems like uh, it just seems like to me they're always uh, trying to go into to denial, and the only reason I can think of that they're they're doing that is because they have the technology. And they just don't want us to have it because the ones who have the power and control of everything want to remain in power and control. And or they don't want us to know that these these beings are coming here at their own will. So that would take away the all the uh maybe the trust and faith that we have in the government that they're they are protecting us when we have beings who can come here whenever they want to. Yeah, well, I'm certainly I feel like they're being absolutely disingenuous. I think yeah. they do have the evidence and they know it. And they're pushing this ET threat narrative, which I don't think is actually true. No. I think the only real ET threat is to them and their power structure. Correct. And their control over humanity and their lies, frankly. Yes. Um, because now we're looking at a situation where the cover up is beginning to collapse under the weight of right. its own lies. It's just right. not, not credible anymore to say that this is not real. And that's, yeah. I think, the driving forces. Behind yeah, I, I, I think they are in fear of the fact that people may start to say, okay, well, now that we know that you're lying to us, now they're going to blame us. And But I think we, I don't think we need to go down that road. I think we need to to go just past that and say, okay, they, they did lie to us and but you know what? Let's get past that. Let's move forward. Let's move on. Let's figure this out together. Yeah, which is not really the way the government operates. They always no. like to scapegoats. <laughs> you know, they yeah. want heads to roll. They yeah, like the whole cancel culture. Yeah, but they I don't mind. You, you know? They don't mind blaming us for something, but for themselves, they don't want to be blamed at all. So, yeah, just be truthful. It's not hard to tell the truth. It no. really isn't. Uh, but they seem to have a hard time with it. Yeah, and uh, and. They just, again, it's all about cover-ups. It's all about so they can remain in control. And and we just walk around wondering all the time what's going on in the sky. Like I said, you know, my wife, lived, we live here next to Wachuca Mountains, and we see lights in the sky all the time. And they do not move like drones, and they don't move like airplanes. They're all, they move up and down and go sideways and then go back over and do sharp little, like, almost like square turns and, there's nothing that I know of that can move like that. Well, this is why I put out this book, because we're not getting the information from our governments. We have never gotten the information from them. They're not the place to look to for UFO information. Right. It's the contactees who I think have told us almost everything we know yeah. that we can validate. But I think a lot of what people are seeing now are honestly probably reverse engineered craft, because that does seem to be ramping up. That has been... I think one of the driving forces behind the cover-up itself is because they are, they do have this technology. Yeah. I mean, how many times can we get a brand new phone that's got three cameras and then another brand new comes up and the only thing it has different is maybe the color, you know, it's, they have the technology, but it, it seems like they, they need to put more of it out. But as, as a, even when I watched Dr. Greer on uh, his program, he said, Everything you've ever seen in, in one of these Star Trek movies or a TV show, he said, we have that, but they just don't put it out there. Yeah, well, we know, I mean, years and years ago, they were talking about how satellites could see 
read a newspaper, you know, see right. that, a postage stamp. And you're telling me you're, you don't have the evidence for yeah. UFO visitation with all those satellites surrounding our planet. Again, disingenuous. It's right. lies. You know, how right. stupid do you think we are? Yeah, I, I can read your uh, I can read your license plate number, but for some reason we can't get a good picture of a UFO. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> I don't I don't get that part of it. But um, so about the book, you've got these twenty different encounters. Um, are there any of the the encounters that you thought were more significant than the other, or are they all just pretty, pretty, uh, pretty significant on their own? Well, I think each one of them does have something to offer, you know, some unique perspective. You know, I do have lots of accounts that would have been exactly the same, but I tried to keep each one a little bit different. Right. In case I do like is simply because it has some interesting insights into the UFO phenomena. And that involves a pilot and a bank manager from Argentina, actually. He was the bank manager of the Argentina's largest bank. And did let me use his real name, Hector Sawiak. Uh, and just a all around really good witness. He's very well educated, a commercial pilot. So he knows his stuff. And his case is different from a lot of people that I've talked to because he didn't have encounters as a young child, which is what I almost always hear in terms right. of someone being a contactee. It starts very, very early. That's not true in his case, which is different. How it rolled out for him, and this is absolutely a pattern, and why I wanted to put it in the book, is he had heard about UFO sightings in his area. And this is fairly recent, 2015. And he thought, you know, this is kind of interesting. I've always been curious about UFOs, especially how they fly at right angles and super high speeds. The technology of it has always intrigued him, but he never really thought much about it. So he goes out of the city and brings his binoculars and camera and equipment. And unfortunately, the fog rolled in or the clouds and it just was an unsuccessful UFO stakeout. He didn't see anything. He drove back disappointed. But it was 3 a.m. that night that he had something very strange happen. He woke up hearing his name being called. Uh, telepathically and he sat up in bed thinking well what the heck because you know, it was hector hector heck over and over again so he gets out of bed and go goes to the window and as soon as he does this a ufo appears and he can tell you know he's familiar with aircraft so he can tell instantly this is not conventional because this is a fiery orange yellow object which is moving from horizon to horizon very quickly, but much slower than a moving or a shooting star, much faster than any aircraft. No wings. No wings. No, nope. no, nope. just just a sort of an oval glow. And if if it were just that, you know, that would be one thing. But it called him out of bed. <laughs> right. And that, he said, was the thing that really intrigued him because he felt like this was an intentional sighting. And I agree, because this is something I have heard from other witnesses. And he went out there looking for them, and they showed up. So I think this is a pattern we do see. If you really want to see a UFO, go looking for them. Right. And they may you know, call out to them. 
and they will oblige at least not always but certainly sometimes and they did in his case and it went beyond that and this is why i thought this was really an important case because it was just a week or two later he's laying in bed the room fills up with light he wakes up and there are two humanoid forms standing at the far end of the room and he's instantly filled with terror a lot of fear because these were not human they were humanoid but they weren't crazed one was about six feet the other five and a half they were very slender wearing bluish uniforms with red cuffs and a red belt and had very pale faces large dark eyes but normal-ish human features and no no visible ears and uh they say to him you do not need to fear have no fear we're not here to hurt you you know you're gonna be fine and he says the strangest thing happened his fear just evaporated hmm. instantly he just got this feeling that these were very nice people who did not mean him harm and in fact he says he felt this intense wave of love coming from them he said preston <laughs> this was a love I've never felt before. This went beyond falling in love with his wife, you know, holding his child. This was an all-encompassing love from these beings. And that is something I've heard before. And I think it's an important point because this sort of speaks to the benevolence of a lot of encounters, if not right. all of them. I don't want to say all of them because some people don't <laughs> have a good time. <laughs> Uh, but certainly he did and one of these figures came the shorter one walks right up to his bed cradles his head in the being's arms and Hector at this point is just crying he's just overwhelmed with emotion sort of gratitude and love and just this is absolutely awe-inspiring and this being says to him we have come to heal you now Hector found that a little bit puzzling because he wasn't sick He's a very active guy, loves sports, mountain climbing, and these sort of things. And he has a great diet. He wasn't sick, but this being pulls out this little pill, was a triangular little brown pill, and says, we want you to eat this. So Hector took the pill and put it dutifully in his mouth. He said it was quite bitter, but he swallowed it, and that's the last thing he remembers. Uh, but he woke up the next morning and there were tears drying on his face his pillow was a little bit wet he woke up his wife she did not see anything uh she was kind of surprised to hear what he had to someone say. else was in the room sure <laughs> yeah. uh, but she did believe him she knows he's not a liar and was very supportive to her credit uh but he says the only real physical after effect was he was nauseous for about a week so I wonder if perhaps there was a condition that he wasn't, he was unaware of. Sure. I did write a book on healings and that certainly has come up. And that's how he found me because he started doing his research. He's like, gosh, someone else out there has to have had this kind of experience. Sure. And certainly they have. But other than that, it did change his life. Not only to know that these kinds of things can happen, and broaden his horizons and expand his belief system 
but he became obsessed with education education learning he was always a smart guy but he went back to college and started taking you know earning an advanced degree in education and wow. learning. I mean, he was using words I had to look up in the dictionary <laughs> I, I, I read a lot so I'm I've got a pretty good vocabulary but this guy blew me out of the water I'm like what what does that word causes three and that was one I had to look up yeah I would have to look that up too <laughs> I did not know what it meant but yeah he is absolutely interested in consciousness and expanding awareness and you know that is definitely something we see with a lot of people who are contactees did he ever find out from a doctor what he may have had or what the effects that pill did to him? No. No. He did not. So, but he's healthy, you know, he's fine. So, I mean, certainly there are other cases where people have gone to the doctor following an encounter. He did not in this case. Uh, I think he was kind of overwhelmed by it. It really, really surprised him. And that was it. You know, that this is a one-off well in essence it's kind of the two events but generally speaking when someone has an encounter like that it's a lifetime of experience yes it's not true in his case so i think yeah the real takeaway from, from this case is if you, if you want to see a ufo go out look for them <laughs> call down out to them and absolutely it, my, my wife and i um last year we went to uh to watch the fireworks and we noticed some people weren't even watching the fireworks. We were talking to a gentleman in front of us, and he was looking off to the left. And I was like, what are you looking at? He's like, he says, I come out here every year on 4th of July when the fireworks are going off. But I point cameras right at the mountains over there. He says, because I catch a lot of lights in the sky. And they're just sitting there, and I see them moving around all the time. So I always come here on 4th of July. And so my wife said, oh, well, let's do the same thing. And she pointed her phone up there. And he was looking out there. And my wife says, do you see that purple light over there? He's like, oh, I see it now. I didn't even notice that before. And then <laughs> and then my wife said, look about this blue light that's right next to the purple light and all these other uh, circular and, and, and cigar-shaped looking lights. And we saw, so now we just go out there and the 4th of July, instead of watching the fireworks, we watch to see what's going to show up. For some reason, they just keep showing up. And I, I don't know if it has anything to do with 4th of July or if it's because the mountains are right there next to that intelligence base. Who knows what's going on there or underground there. But um... Daniel, I'm so glad you brought that up <laughs> because I put a chapter in my previous book, not from here, volume four, called 4th of July Encounters, Independence Day Encounters. Really? This is a thing. I found hundreds of cases because someone kept telling me, oh, I saw UFOs on the 4th of July. And I'm like, well, sure you did. That's probably fireworks, you know, at Sky Lantern. Right. But, you know, after getting a really compelling case, I thought, you know what, let's look this up. And I went to the files of National UFO Reporting Center and the Mutual UFO Network and got knocked over. <laughs> that July 4th is hands down the most common day of the year to see a UFO. And I still thought, okay, well, maybe this is fireworks because people are not always good witnesses. But I went through every darn case. And I tell you, you know, for, for decades long, that's many thousands of cases 
I mean, I, my eyeballs were dried up by the time I was done. This, this is a lot to look through. This is an enormous amount of armchair research mostly, but uh, man, oh man. Yeah, some people are clearly seeing sky lanterns, which are... What? Why do you believe they're coming here for for Fourth of July? Because I mean, when you're at Fourth of July, that celebration, you know, everybody there is looking forward to this event. They they are in a good mood. They're all talking to each other and being nice to each other. Do you yeah. believe it's that, or maybe partly. they just wanted to add to the show? I think it's partly that. I think it's partly the fact that people are outside looking up. But it's much more than that, because in case after case after case, these objects show up. And these are metallic craft with portholes. Humanoids are being seen looking down through the windows. Yeah. The craft will show up when the fireworks begin and watch the whole darn show. And sometimes they will put on a display. What UFO researchers call a display is when they're overtly showing themselves in a very brazen, obvious manner. They want to be seen. So right. I think essentially they are using this day as an opportunity to fulfill one of their agendas, which is to announce their presence. Yeah. Simple agenda. Or they've been doing a publicity campaign since the 1950s when our government really started clamping down, refusing to disclose. Right. They said, okay, if you're not going to disclose, we will. And they have in a very clever way. Uh, and it's not only the 4th of July, but of course there's schoolyard encounters where they, I've got a hundred cases of schoolyard encounters, hundred cases of driving movie theater encounters. They are absolutely showing themselves on purpose. What Gatherings of people who are, are going to look up into the sky, who are there to look up into the sky in the first place. What I love about the 4th of July encounters is, you know, you could call these simple sightings, uh, but some do have humanoids. So that would, bring it up to a close encounter of the second or third kind. Uh, but honestly, these are all, every single one of them, a close encounter, quote, of the fifth kind. Because in effect, they are human initiated. Right. You know, it is the fireworks that is bringing them in. It is the crowds of people. Uh, and looking at these cases, it's like, wow, <laughs> this is... So many of them. I mean, this is so unbelievably obvious what they're doing here. Right, it's not just one guy standing there going, let me see if I can find a UFO. You may have a, a, a chance of maybe 1,500 to a couple of thousand people standing there waiting for something to happen, waiting for waiting for fireworks to happen, but then here come some other lights in the sky. Yeah, there's been a lot of people talking about this. I started doing my research. It's been a buzz for quite some time, but I don't know that there's ever been a researcher who's tackled this specific day to look into it. And I did have to throw out a lot, which were clearly, you know, the sky lanterns can go up to 4,000 feet. And right. it's just a little glowing candle in a paper balloon. But from a distance, it looks amazing and can dart around a little bit. Yeah, when you see a couple of them going around, sure. But the fact is they only can last maybe 15 minutes at right. the high end. And they cannot dart from horizon to horizon in no. that. They no. can't do that. They don't no, there's have no, There's no wind that can carry them that quickly no. across the sky. They don't make a low buzzing. They're not metallic. <laughs> right. They're not saucer-shaped. Uh, so they don't explain a lot of the cases. But yeah, a lot I did throw out because I'm like, mm, this could very well be a uh, sky lantern. 
but I think a lot of them aren't honestly and because it kind of has the same characteristics in some ways just a glowing object there in the sky it's probably a UFO but I threw it out because I couldn't prove it right and even then there was enough cases to solidify the 4th of July is absolutely a UFO attractor and uh, yeah Maybe that, like you said, maybe the the people within the UFOs are just going, "Hey, did you just see that starburst? That was pretty cool." You know, <laughs> they are enjoying it themselves for for some reason. Yeah, they're well, they're beautiful. So, and UFOs are all about lights, right? You know, they have all the light beams coming down, and they use lights to heal and lift people up and pull people through the wall and <laughs> levitate and things they can do with lights. Yeah so far beyond our own understanding yeah for for me and my uh since i'm a medium uh being a medium ever since i've been a medium uh about it's been about three and a half maybe yeah about three and a half years ago i with part of my gift i'm no longer able to see the stars at night i see one or two every now and then but i'll see one and then it just kind of blacks out and then i just see I start seeing energies everywhere. But if there's any artificial light that's happening, I see it. And for the past three and a half years, I've seen these particular lights in the sky that I know are not airplanes because they sit still in the same position every single night when I go out there. Hmm. Except where wherever the, the position of the moon is, they're off from the moon. And when I do see them, uh, I, I, I used to see three sets back in Delaware. I only see two sets here in Arizona. But as my spirit guides tell me, that there are actually seven. And they tell me that these are ships that just sit above the earth and are hovering and are watching over us. And when I see them, I see three lights in a row. So I see one, two, three, and then another one here. So it looks like a letter Y. And I see that uh, one of them, maybe if you're looking at the moon, down at about like three o'clock. And then I see another one that's maybe at like where the moon is and at my, my 10 o'clock from the moon. I see that every single night that there's a clear night out in the sky. But but back in Delaware, I saw them also in that same position. And then I saw one set that was directly um, west of us. So, but I see it all the time. And <laughs> don't know how else to explain it, but it's hard for me to explain it to someone else who doesn't see it because when they look up in the sky, all they see is the gazillions of stars. So they can't pick it out because all they see is all the other stars. So it just looks like another set of stars to them. But I've only met... Um, maybe three other mediums who have actually seen the same thing that I've seen. Wow. But well, I do know that when someone has contact, it can spark up all manners of psychic abilities where people do start seeing auras, will develop mediumship, start seeing shadow people, have lots of precognition or astral projection, or, I mean, it's the entire gamut. So, I do, I do see, I do see one being, um, I would call him sort of a gray, but not. He's not gray. Whenever I see him, he's kind of a um, maybe a light greenish color. 
um, but he has big eyes, but he has a very large head. Um, and then I get a message inside my mind, and uh, he wants to go by the name of Charlie. So I see Charlie on a, a regular basis. Apparently, every time that my soul keeps coming back here into another body, Charlie has been watching me for a very long time. I'm also told that Charlie says there's going to come a point where they actually do come here, and there are going to be some of us, like myself, who are able to hear telepathic messages, um, because that's the way we originally communicate with each other, because just because we have a voice box doesn't mean that's not the original way. But um, he said that they're going to come here, and then there are going to be those of us, like myself, who are going to be selected to be interpreters. And they will come here and tell us things, and then we will tell everybody else. But they've been telling me that for five years. When it's going to happen, I don't know. <laughs> but, I, but I know it is supposed to happen in my lifetime. Yeah. Well, I've heard similar things from other contactees who feel like there is going to come a day when there is a worldwide landing or a worldwide sort of disclosure event on the part of the ETs. That's what they tell me. And uh, perhaps people will be scooped up because our planet is in peril in, in a number of different ways. So we will see. The future <laughs> promises to be quite interesting. No yeah, what. I, I hope so. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think people are getting tired they're getting tired of being the same, told the same old stories that we've been hearing from the 1960s and 70s. And, and now I know when I go on uh, online, first thing that pops up on the pages, like on MSN, so there's there's so many UFO stories that are coming in and alien uh, ET stories are coming up and showing up. And it seems like it's it's being more, it's, it's a lot more prevalent now than it ever has been. I know we had that uh, report that they put out maybe two years ago, and everybody was waiting for that to come out. And the original report was like 20 pages, but the one they showed the public was only nine pages. And again, they, they, they just denied it again. Oh, we don't have enough evidence. What do you mean you don't have enough evidence? Yeah, we still haven't had governmental disclosure, and I honestly don't think we ever will. Certainly no. not full and completely voluntarily. <laughs> But the ETs have disclosed. Yes. Say, why don't they just land? I'm like, well, let's go through this. Yeah. <laughs> let's look at the 2007, 8, and 9 Cumbergas turkey footage. Let's look at the 100 plus schoolyard cases. You know, Rua, Zimbabwe, Ariel Elementary School, 94 is just one. There's, of course, the Westall High School, <laughs> Broadhaven Elementary, Crestview Elementary, the Hillsdale College. And I can go on. I mean, there are a lot of very much intentional displays that if you go through the data, the ETs have absolutely shown themselves enough that we know they're here. Yeah. You would have to be absolutely ignorant to deny the presence of ETs at this point. Even with the uh, the, the whistleblowers coming out and sort of like for some for that one reason, why are we not allowed to go to Antarctica? I mean, do you believe yourself that, that these beings are actually here on this earth all the time? Or do you believe that they're just flying above us to check us out? Um, well, I think there are probably some who do live among us. And I just did a book called Symmetry with a contactee by the name of Dolly Safran. And she's a fully conscious contactee. And she's explained that things are a bit different now because the 
our magnetic fields in our planet are collapsing. And this has caused the ETs largely to bug out. You know, pretty much what people are seeing today is reverse engineered craft, or perhaps, you know, the people are still mentally in contact and right. they can still sort of, how would I put it, astrally project <laughs> and yeah. make contact with people. Uh, but yeah, I think that there are ETs living among us who are staying here. I think the evidence for that is, you know, I can't prove it, obviously, uh, but it's pretty compelling. And I think it's the sheer number of reports of this that is the most convincing, which is true with, you know, accounts of people being taken on board. No, we don't have absolute conclusive proof necessarily, other than perhaps implants and healings. And that's good, solid evidence. But there's so many cases, Daniel. Right. It, there, that, there's so many cases and uh, so many witnesses out there. And people but who it, don't know I, each other. Yeah, we, we've other. all been conditioned in this world that we have to look towards our own government for the answers of everything. And that's what they want. So I think that's why people are also looking towards the government to give them answers about this. But, yeah, but there's, I'd say don't do that. No. <laughs> it's dangerous. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. They're pushing a false ET threat narrative, which could be preparation for a, quote, false flag. ET invasion, which there's a lot of buzz about that in the field. There really is. And our media is so fear-based. And it's really unfortunate because if you look at what actually happens when people have contact and are taken on board, the scariest, worst thing you hear, and I think, you know, I'm going to underline this, is the medical exam. Correct. Um, and which can be scary and even occasionally painful. Yeah. Usually not, but and if a person is in pain, they will usually relieve their pain. Uh, but I, I don't want to say always, because there are people who said, no, well, they didn't do that for me. They just kind of hit me with their instrument and it hurt. Like, right. okay. But that is the, I don't accounts of what I would call outright torture. or I've never heard of anybody distant. who went to a dentist office who didn't come out saying that hurt. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily all puppies and rainbows no it's not gonna be yeah <laughs> why i i was just talking to somebody else i was on someone's show yesterday a paranormal show last night and i said the same thing i said how come people are also worried about these i because i tell people i said you know we don't come from adam and eve or adam and steve we, we're we're coming from somewhere else we are brought here and they come here and they check on us and when they check on us they don't just go look at us all the time. Sometimes they want to see what's going on with us. So yes, they will. We call it being abducted, but <clears throat> because you're taken sometimes beyond your will. But maybe sometimes they aren't. But they're doing a, a checkup. But we have checkups here all the time when we go to a doctor, and we don't complain about that. Although we do come out of that and go, "Oh, he stuck me with a needle," or "I went to the dentist and that hurt my face." And yeah, I mean, I think that's the absolute reason for onboard experiences yeah is to have a checkup that and to impart messages this is why i want people to look very objectively you know try to step back from your fear and see what's actually happening to you or to a contactee they're often healed this is yeah. not common i've got cases from every major researcher out there has these cases 
I've got a bunch of them, but John Mack, <laughs> David Jacobs, who takes a dim view of the phenomena, has cases of people healed of cancer and pneumonia and diphtheria and so forth. And uh, they all do. I mean, Tim Beckley, Timothy Good, Philip Mantle, Edith Fiore, Barbara Lamb, Yvonne Smith, Chris Rutkowski, they all have healing cases. And we need to take a look at this and say, hmm, what does this mean? What is the implications of this? Right. When, when ETs are saying, giving information, it's almost always along the lines of warnings against nuclear proliferation. Right. Why is that? You know, why are they warning us about greed and corruption, the dangers of the political system, of pollution, of our warlike ways, of all of these things? Why are we pointing rockets at each other? Right. Yeah, chopping down the forests and destroying the environment. This is their message over and over and over again, and has been since the modern age of UFOs, 1947. Yeah. Of, of treating of treating each other with with love and respect that w of which we don't exactly and when someone's kidnapped on earth that's not what happens at all no <laughs> you know they they're not kidnapping you to physically check up on you and no. give you a message it's horrific what we do to each other yeah that's the problem we are imposing our own social i hate to call them norms but it is but it is uh, on ETs, who we share a kinship with. That's the another message right. contactors get. We are you, you are us, we are all one. This is the message I hear over and over again from contactees who are told. Yeah. So this is why we need to just take a real close look at what's happening when people have contact. This is why I keep writing this book, to counteract this these lies yeah the the, mis the, the misinformation. misinformation that keeps coming up yeah I, I love the tv shows that say oh we got some new information for you and then they come back from a commercial and it's the same information you've been hearing for 20 years <laughs> yeah. yeah it's yeah. never uh you know, they 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 wanted to convince us that the pyramids were burial grounds and now we're finding out they're not they're more like power plants and mm. they've been here a lot longer and then we then we really know and there was no way possible they 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 made it out that slaves were carrying the big rocks and making the pyramids and now they're it's coming out more and more there's, there's no possible way that people could have done this yeah I and mean, we have modern examples look at the coral castle in florida <laughs> they still don't know how that guy was able to right. carry giant rocks and make yeah and how, how he's able to pivot <laughs> on one little and it just turns and <laughs> come on you know, I mean, even with uh, even with Tesla and his invention to have to have free energy. I mean, yeah. And he said he was in contact with ETs. He said yeah. it flat out. <laughs> and and all he wanted to do was put that out there, but the people who were in power and control didn't want that to happen, or the same people who come out with the the other energy devices or or the devices to have cars run on water. He they yeah. just do away with that because they don't want. They want to be able to, to take as much as they can from our pockets every day and not have us not so with instances of things that we wouldn't have to actually work for anymore. They want us to work yeah. for it. Which is so unfortunate because that's partially our own fault for yes. allowing this to happen. And yes. ETs won't step in. They because people have asked them flat out, well, why don't you just get rid of all these one percenters, this cabal? Yes. The Illuminati, just 
Come you on. wouldn't learn anything if they just did that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're we're here to learn things and and fulfill a purpose. And what we don't, uh, if if we were given everything in your lifetime, you wouldn't appreciate the things you do have. So you know, I know uh, the the Staples commercial has a big giant easy button, but there is no easy button. We have, we have to <laughs> learn from this. So how do we learn from it? We we're going to have to. Unfortunately, what we did is a long time ago. We relinquished the power over to them a long time ago. The kings and queens and governments and and now the only thing we need to do now is, is walk in and say you're fired and take your power back. But no one seems to do that because the government keeps telling us if you do anything to us, we'll put you in jail. Yeah, well, there are absolutely ruthless governments. And when it comes to the UFOs, there are. Yeah, we live in one. Their <laughs> lives. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is the cover up's no joke. No. You, know, you can, it's not speculation. It's no. demonstrable. You can prove it. And people have lost their lives over it. Yes. Yes. And uh and even in um even in uh uh Mr. Grush's uh he he also kind of stated out there that he had opposing people coming to him to oh this is not real and this is the uh don't talk about this stuff. This is the devils and demons and all that stuff, and now they're trying to bring this uh crazy religious uh, crap stuff into it as well. But uh, if, I believe, you know, if they wanted to kill us, they could have done it a long time ago. But why would they kill their own children? Yeah, no, it's us who are killing each other. We're the right. ones who are funding both sides of a war. And, right. And, and it's not even us. People all over the world, I think, are generally good and just want the same things, just love and family and food. <laughs> And just you know to be at peace. Yes. So and that's what that's what we need in this place. But we're just I mean, look around. We're just not doing a very good job of it. Yeah, which is why the ETs, you know, it's no coincidence, I don't think, and certainly a lot of researchers have said this, that when we finally started exploding nuclear bombs and got that ability to completely wipe out our planet. We got yeah. their attention. Yeah. They're like, okay, fine. <laughs> we will do what we can. We're gonna right. step. We're going to intervene to the degree that karmic laws allow. And I want to say karma because they did. The ETs have used that word. Right. And it comes up. And I'm like, wow, this is fascinating to me because that is, you know, I thought a human concept. No, it's not. No. Um, ETs, I've got case after case of it. I mean, one lady, she was in a horrific car accident in Atlanta, Georgia. And ETs pulled her out of the accident and said, you know, this what you weren't supposed to be this badly injured. You actually died in this accident that was not supposed to happen. We've saved you. We're going to heal you mostly, but we can't heal all your injuries. Some of these are karmic. And you chose this to learn a lesson. Yes, you you put that out. This is what you were supposed to learn from, but but not all of it. All of the, this just happened to happen. Yeah. I try to explain that all the time to people in a sense where because I see spirit all the time, I'm in communication with what, what we refer to as archangels, and I tell them they're not men with wings and shields and swords. The ones that I always see around me, when I see them around me, I see these eight-foot prey manises standing in my room. And then I say other beings, some of them look like owls, and some of them look like they're not they're not human, but they look humanoid. So I try to tell people, this is what they are. 
what they are is what we would refer to as ETs, as aliens. These are just beings of a higher consciousness that no longer need a body, but there are many, many others who do are still occupying bodies, but they're at a higher consciousness than we are. They are just a higher thinking and, and, and have come to the conclusion that we don't need to be at war with each other and we could just take care of each other. And that's what they're trying to teach us. But people just, they don't seem to get it. Well, that's what I kind of, when I wrote this book on humanoids, I do have lots of cases of ETs of all kinds, but also like a, one involving like a demonic little hairy ape, uh, a few involving angels, apparent honest-to-God angels. One lady who is a contactee was having a very hard time with her mother passing away and her daughter just being born and raising her as a single parent had an angelic encounter where she walks out of the kitchen with her little dog and her little dog saw it first this enormously tall angelic figure which went right up to the almost 20 foot high cathedral ceilings right at the foot of the staircase now this lady janet is her name is not religious so this really surprised her to see this glowing angelic figure she says it looked like it had wings but it was just the aura around it yes the aura and it had that shape uh but it was absolutely aware of her and she got a message and it said things are going to change uh, it's going to get bad but they will change and then it did get bad you know she had a real hard time for a year dealing with her mom's multiple illnesses till she passed and without that angelic encounter she says i don't know how i would have gotten through it yeah it came at a time I needed it. But yeah, she's had encounters with Grays her whole life. I like what Robert Monroe said. If you know Robert Monroe, he's very well known for his astral projection books, out-of-body experiences in the Gateway Institute, where he teaches people how to go out of body. And he was really good at it, probably one of the best, certainly in the literature. And he said that Earth is a school... <laughs> And in fact, yes. those who graduate from it are highly respected throughout the universe. Yes. And I, I had to laugh at that one. So I sure hope so, because this is a tough school. It I is. Mean, <laughs> the, just the pain and the sorrow and the things that we, the loss and the anger, grief, guilt, anguish, all that stuff. Yeah. We is, go through the we go through the whole gamut of everything, and some of us come out okay, and a lot of us don't. But. Uh, yeah, well, I think as long as you make, you know, the right decisions, you know, yes. allow love and truth to guide your actions. Yes. Unlike, you know, our, I don't want to even call them government, but people behind the cover-up. Yeah. Making yeah. some very poor decisions. Oh, hurt yeah. a lot of people, and they're going to regret it because we all are immortal beings. Correct. As you know, and karma will come back and bite you on the butt. They, um... The way that they communicate with me, they just put thought into my mind. In the very beginning, it was like 5% of the time. Now it's 85% of the time. So my own thoughts aren't even mine anymore. But they also touch my face for yes and no answers. And this is yes. There's like a tear running down my face for no. I have it to the point. So every decision I make throughout my entire life, I'm kind of talking to them and they're telling me. And to the point where I wake up in the morning and I ask them, Am I taking all my pills today? No. And I get touched. No. And I just they just touch me right now. No. So I will go out to my pills and I will look at them and I'll pick one up and I'll just look at it and I get touched. No. So I put that one down. Pick up the next one. No. Put that one down. Pick up the next one. Yes. Pop it open. Take a pill. That's hmm. how I do it. 
every day of my life. Or even when I'm out riding my motorcycle, I'll be riding around. I'll see you. I, I think in my mind because that's that's how they're communicating with me. I need to take a right-hand turn. No. You don't want me to take that one? No. I hear next right. So you want me to take the next right-hand turn? Yes. Okay. I take that turn. You know what's going to happen to me, the other one? I don't care. <laughs> they're looking out for my best interest. They they told me as long as I listen, trust, and follow through with what they tell me to do, I'll never get into another car accident again. And I haven't since they told me that five years ago. Well, I do know a lady who's in, whose account is in the book. She's the one who saw the angel. And she does have some pretty serious health issues. But commu she communicates with the greys and they help advise her on, you know, what to take, and what not to take and, right. you know, the right actions. She had was saved from a pretty severe car accident by a premonition. She's not sure if that was the greys or her, probably her own psychic ability because we do all have we psychic do. ability. We just don't always use it because we don't know how to use it. Yeah, well, that's why I tell people if they want to learn astral projection, you have to, let's overcome your fears. Yes. You don't want to be mired in grief or despair or lust or right. any of those emotions that can steal away your actual awareness. Right, your, that's a block. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I tell people about it, all this stuff all the time. And This is one of the big ET goals, just to wake us up to what we can do. Correct. One gentleman I interviewed, Mike Wing is his name, who had a fairly unpleasant encounter with Greys, where a craft came over. He was in San Francisco area, and he ended up having missing time, which he recalled through the dream state in the week that followed, that he was taken on board, and he was examined by Greys, and it wasn't particularly fun for him. He says it was actually really scary, bone-chilling scary which I think is a natural reaction sometimes when you find yourself in that situation and you're unfamiliar with it and don't, the unknown is people have an automatic reaction. Sure, just in the same way as if someone here broke into your house and kidnapped you. But what's so interesting about his case, he's like, you know, I'm not really mad at them or anything because what happened after? He developed this really pronounced psychic ability of telepathy where he could hear what people were thinking. And even to the point of being able to influence them in a way, which he said, I'm not doing that. I don't think it's right. He's got a very high moral code. But it was shocked him, the things that he was suddenly able to do, which he links directly to his onboard experience. And I do see that quite a bit. And he also got very scientifically minded as well and was working with electronics in a way that absolutely astonished him. Uh, he had always been interested in radios, but he was doing things like building his own equipment and computers and radios. Right, things that he couldn't do before, but he can do now. Yeah. So this Where does is, that come from? Yeah, this is the ET saying, listen, you have a lot more abilities than you're even aware of. He said it was as if he was blind before. Right. He was looking through a, a, you know, a shadowed mirror. And it came right off, and he could see everything much more clearly. Yeah. And he had a whole new awareness. Yes. And I've heard that so many times. One guy told me when the UFO came over, and he says, I don't know how to describe this, but I was more awake than I have ever been. And another guy said, you know, I, I just got smarter. He was right. at the bottom of his class. He rose right up to the top of his class and stayed there. This was, he, his was in grade school. Uh, 
he had this really nice encounter with human looking ETs that was wonderful. And after that, he just excelled. <laughs> it was amazing. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, when before I was, uh, I mean, I had always seen spirit, but I didn't know why. But it was before I was a medium. Uh, I just saw spirit and I just saw the rest of the world like it is. Everything else that I know now about spirit and the spiritual realm, I know from archangels. They tell me everything. I, I don't read books. My wife can tell you that. Everyone else I know can tell you that. I don't read books. I've read three books in my entire life and one of them is mine. Uh, I don't follow <laughs> other mediums. I don't follow anyone else. Everything that I get, I get from them and they tell me. Um, I have, it's like uh, now my, the ability that I have is changing all the time, but I get more stuff with it all the time that I can do, but I don't do all of it. But uh, it's like getting cable and then you get extra channels with it. They, uh, I'm able, uh, I can look, if I stare at the floor, I can stare at the floor and just stare, just stare right there and get so zoned in, I start seeing the floor moving. Uh, they tell me that's fluid time. Um, they want me to take, I have a spoon in my room. One they I was out somewhere and they said, buy the spoon. I bought the spoon. They want me to practice moving it. You're not actually moving it with your mind. You're moving it with your energy, with your soul. They want me to do that. I'm able to do, uh, um, I can uh, close my eyes and see other places. So yeah, remote viewing. Yeah, yeah. I, I remote viewed one, I, but I don't have control of it yet. But I, I was had my eyes closed once, and I know I was on a ship because they were going. It was going around, and I, I saw all these gazelle, and I was like, "This has got to be like Africa or something." And then there was light that was shining down on the ground, and all these animals, gazelle, and and uh, there was an elephant in the background. They were looking up at whatever was was there. And then it picked up and left. And then the next spot I saw, it was like mountains and roads on the mountains. And I saw people stopping and on cars and, and bicycles and looking up in the sky. So then with my consciousness, because I know it was my consciousness there, I said to myself, I got to see where I'm at. So I turned around. And when I did, the only thing I saw was like thousands of grays. And I was like, oh, boy. I hope they don't see me. Let me just turn back around, look out the window again. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> I don't know if they could see me or not, but and then it just and then the next part of it, it was flying along and it went underwater. And I saw under underneath of a boat of a of a large ship. I saw the propellers, and then I saw a whale go by and other fish go by, and then after that it just turned off. And I was like. What was that? And the whole time I was standing next to my wife and describing everything to her. And she's hmm. like, what is that? I said, the only thing I could think of was I was up in a ship. I don't know. I don't know why it turned on like that, but I've seen other things. Like I'll be driving in a car, turn on, I'll close my eyes and see me and my wife in a car, but we're going somewhere else. Those types of things. But when I saw this, I was like, what is going on here? And then it was shortly after that that I was on Facebook and I saw some guy who talked about doing this, uh, this guy named Paul Smith, uh, Paul W. Smith. And uh, I found out where he worked, Fort Huachuca, oh, wow. for 12 years doing that. 
So he was in charge of the program over there of remote viewing. There you go. How does that happen? <laughs> the strange and, universe. <laughs> well, the strange part was I didn't even tell him what my name was, and he knew what my name was. Hmm. Right. So, uh, but yeah, but uh, these strange happenings, I, I know it's not just me. I know it's everyone else in the world, but the unfortunate part is we still look towards the government to give us answers for everything when we know they've always been denying everything. So why would they give us answers in the first place? Yeah, exactly. I think ultimately the only true pathway to knowledge is from personal experience. Correct. Um, and it's you can have your beliefs and you can do all the studying you want. It can be very helpful. But ultimately you have to look to yourself for the truth. Yes. It would encourage that. And yes, it's, it's like if you're... If you're walking down the street and someone you see somebody walking with a cane, I've seen people say, "Oh, they're they're not they're okay. They're not in that much pain." I'm sure. Okay, people don't understand it until they actually go through it themselves. They see someone else and they think, "Oh, he's faking or something like that." Until they get a broken leg and then they figure it out. Okay, maybe he is okay. Yeah, they have to go through it themselves. But luckily. Luckily, we have someone like you coming out, <laughs> not just someone like you, you coming out with all these uh, with all these books that you have and, and bringing all this evidence to the forefront. I mean, how many books do you have out now? It's 31 now. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you ever look at yourself and go, how did I, how did I get 31 books? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. And do you have plans for how many more do you have plans for so far? Because like you said, you do this, you just constantly do this. So uh, I have another 31 <laughs> at least. All right. And um, there's an endless supply. Yeah. I absolutely love doing this. And I've got three or four books already. Well, five or six really in the works. Wow. So, so that's incredible. That's a, I that's love a... doing that's a lot of information to get and and what some people would think may be a burden because you know it does take up a lot of time but since this is what you do it doesn't really take up much a month that time especially if you love doing it yeah well I sure do and I've been doing it it's funny I look back I'm like well it's been most of my life actually yeah I started as a, a young man <laughs> so I was like 21 and found out UFOs were real Right, didn't have any gray hair. <laughs> no, no. I'm never gonna get gray. Well, I have gray beard. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, but so, since you're a part of uh, since you're a part of uh, uh, the MUFON uh, group, do they actually do you get information from them on cases that they can send you out to, or, or are you just doing this all on your own? Mostly on my own. Initially, I did work closely with MUFON for the first five years of doing my research. But I got a little discouraged for various reasons and thought I could be more effective on my own. I still support MUFON. I am a member and I do speak at their conferences. And there's a lot of wonderful people in the organization. So, yeah, I think it's, well, it is. It's the biggest citizen UFO group that we have going on right now. You're the only one that I've spoken to that's been uh, a part of MUFON. I, I've tried to get other MUFON members, but I can't seem to get anyone to talk to me. So not sure why, but uh, but I sure would like to. I mean, someone else told me maybe I should just look at the local chapter here in Arizona. 
but I was absolutely thrilled that uh, when I saw in my email that you had come out with a new book, I said, my wife said, and my wife had just said to me the day before, has, has, is Preston doing anything? Is he, is he coming out? I said, I just got an email yesterday. He's got a new book. Out. <laughs> she said, try to get him on the show. I said, I will. And then I contacted him. You said, sure. And I was like, hey, honey, guess what? Preston's going to be on the show. So she's <laughs> thrilled. So yeah, awesome. she's, she's looking forward to it. And uh, I, I appreciate you coming out today. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, to talk about all these, uh, everything that we've talked about, not just the, the book, but uh, but everything else that's going on. It's prevalent to, to today and, so, and what's going on with this, uh, this whole new, this whole new movement that's just coming out of the woodworks. Uh, that's becoming more in the forefront and uh, because uh, you're the expert. This is what you do. <laughs> I do love doing it. It's a good time to be in this field because the information is coming out. A lot of people are waking up. It's such an important subject. I think it will change the way people not only look at themselves, but at their place in the universe and each other for that matter. Sure. So it's, what are you going to do when this becomes commonplace? I will garden and <laughs> and I'll, I'll you know, I, I never was looking for this. And I thought, you know, if we just had this being taught in schools, that would be so much better. But I just feel like it's such an important subject. People deserve to know. It knocked me over finding out this was real. It was a very difficult adjustment. And I, I just didn't want other people to have to go through that. I'm like, there yeah. shouldn't be a cover on it. They should yeah. not be spending our tax dollars making UFO witnesses look like fools. Right. It hit home. I mean, my family was having encounters. I've had encounters. So, yeah, for me, it's a very personal thing, but I also feel like people deserve to know the truth. Yeah, they do. That's what they, that's what they need absolutely throughout this world is we need the truth and we're just not being given the truth. Exactly. But the, the most important thing I think for you probably is, is there's no more doubt in your mind. You know this is real. You're just trying to get everybody else on board to, to realize this is real as well. Yeah, and as Gallup polls show, most people do believe that the UFO phenomenon is real. Yeah, and ten or twenty percent have had personal experiences with it. Yeah, so we're at that point now where we don't even need our governments. No, to say this is real, we never really did. Exactly. No. Well, Preston, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on to the show today. Uh, Tell my um, tell my audience where I, where they can find you and where they can find your books at. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate that. And yeah, thanks for having me on the show. But if you want to find my books, they're certainly on Amazon and Barnes and Noble at bookstores, other online retailers. You can find me all over social media. I do have a website. Just punch my name in. It'll take you there. But I'll give you the actual address, which is Preston Dennett dot weebly.com but i'm on facebook twitter instagram and I have a youtube channel if you don't like to read books because I, I get it a lot of people don't have the time <laughs> no, but i'll watch a video yeah <laughs> and uh, so yeah i'm putting all my research on youtube so it's not about the money for me it's about the truth right me too me too yeah when i do readings for people i mean i charge them a certain amount but if it goes over that time I don't care. I just keep going because I knew they need the truth. I need some peace of mind and some clarity and some direction in their lives. And why not give it to them if I can? So absolutely. Yeah, I, I appreciate, again, I appreciate you coming on the show today. I appreciate you taking up the time to do this. And uh, and uh, 
before you go? Any last words? Uh, leave fear behind. <laughs> Have yes. fun and allow truth and love to guide your actions. Absolutely. And as I always tell everybody at the end of my show, uh, be good and don't do any stupid shit. But if you do, don't get caught. Have a great day, people. Goodbye. This was Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson with Preston Dennett and UFOs, Aliens, and High Strangeness. For more information about Preston, visit his website at www.prestondennett.weebly.com. Links to his social media are in the description. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time on Beyond the Veil with Daniel Jackson.